Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Hey, thank you for taking time out once again for Growing in Grace, a worldwide podcast with me, the Cap, and the Breeze Man, Joel, with me as well. Joel, how are you doing this week? Doing absolutely wonderful. Enjoying life because, you know, uh, this whole abundant life that God has given us, you know, as we've said before in this program, we know that people go through some things, going through struggles, going through hard times sometimes, and so we don't want to say that you should be happy all the time, just grin and bear it, but just knowing that the Lord is for us and not against us, what a difference that has made in my life, just knowing that he's not up and down with me, he doesn't. He's not angry one day and then happy with me the next day. He's not angry with me when I'm not performing so well. He's and then happy with me when I'm doing well. It's not a roller coaster ride, because of the finished work of Jesus and because of God's great love. He is at an even keel with me, and he is happy with me all the time. He enjoys me. He enjoys you, whoever's listening. God likes you. He loves you. He likes you. He enjoys you. He enjoys your company. And and that's just good news. Even when we're not performing up to uh, what we wish we would perform, perhaps, or what other people tell us that we need to be performing up to, God loves us, and that makes life so much better. It sure does. <laughs> if you're walking around in life, believer or not, and you're wondering whether God loves you or whether, you know, what's he really think of me? If, if you're wondering those things... That's not living in freedom. That's living in a form of fear and worry, a place where God certainly does not want you to be. And hopefully you've caught the last couple of weeks of our podcast because we've been talking about some of the words of Jesus and where he was coming from as a teacher under the old covenant law. That's that's what he was. So if you don't know where we're coming from here, go back and check out the previous two podcasts. And you can find them, by the way, with the last ones first on our website at growingandgrace.org. And we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount last week, some Joel, a little bit here and there. And um, right after that, uh, recorded in Matthew chapter 8, right after that uh, so-called Sermon on the Mount, Jesus came across a leper and put out his hand. They wanted to be healed. Uh, Imagine a leper wanting to be healed. Uh, Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, yeah, I'm willing for you to be healed. Be cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. First thing to point out here is Jesus actually went against the law here by saying, I'm willing that you be cleansed and reached out and touched the leper, which you weren't supposed to do. But since healing was instantaneous there, were they really a leper anymore? That would be one question I might ask. But then Jesus said this to clarify the point we made over the last two programs. He turned to the, the, the person who had been healed from leprosy and said, all right, see that you tell no one but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, see, again, Jesus, a teacher under the law, speaking to somebody under the law, and having them do what the law required for a leper who had been healed. 
you can find that Joel and I looked this up right before we recorded because we came across this passage. And you can look up Leviticus starting in chapter 13, verse 45, and go through the following chapter, and maybe then some, just to find out all the things that had to occur with the priest and, and the person who was cleansed. It's incredible. I mean, it is incredible. And this is just one little corner, one little piece of a puzzle with thousands, tens of thousands of pieces of what a leper had to do according to the law to prove that they were cleansed and, and the, the ceremony that was required and so forth. It would have taken us a podcast and a half just to read through the passage <laughs> to true. you. And so, but, but Jesus, under the law, speaking to somebody still under the law, told them to go do what Moses required. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, because I think about, well, let's just say, I mean, it's not like here in our culture, uh, we have a whole lot of lepers that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, but just say that a leper was to come into a modern-day church service, people would, even if they would lay their hands on him and he would be healed, and then um, I don't picture anybody in a church service saying, now, go show yourself to the priest, (laughs) because we don't have priests in the sense that they did in the Old Covenant. In fact, the priest had to be a Levite. It had to be of the Jewish tribe of Levi, and we don't have those these days. And so we we wouldn't be able to do that because there is no longer that tribe because that Old Covenant has been done away with. But the point that we're making here is that Jesus did minister under the law. He was doing what the law said as far as telling the leper, the heel leper, to go show himself to the priest. And like you said, that whole passage would just take forever just to read to figure out what the leper had to go do once he was healed. Jesus was a minister of the law to those who were under the law. Now, I think we've made that point pretty clear in the last, in this podcast and the last two. And the reason we're doing that is to show that a lot of the words that Jesus spoke were to those people who were under the law. They weren't to us today. And so we need to always keep that in mind, knowing that not everything that Jesus said, not all of the red letters in the red letter editions of Bibles, not all of those red letters are meant for us. And that can bring freedom to people. I mean, it really can, because if we're trying to do everything that Jesus said, and so much of it has context that we couldn't even do, even if we tried, just like that one I just talked about, Cap, the leper would have to go show himself to the priest. We can't do that because we don't have any Levite priests around. The things of the law, a lot of them we can't even do. And the good news, of course, is that after his ministry to those under the law, Jesus then fulfilled the law. And and now nobody is under the law who's in Christ because they're under grace. And that's really what this is all about. Yeah, and you're right, though. Talk about your freedom, because not everything, but a lot of what Jesus, where he was coming from, was from the origin of the law. And it's a performance-based approach. But, of course, when Jesus taught it, he was just trying to show people, you think you're able to keep this law, whether it was the Pharisees or just your average everyday Joe, but you aren't able to keep it. That's why Jesus started out the Sermon on the Mount by saying, the law and the prophets would need to be fulfilled. You know, he he didn't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. However, after Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, (laughs) the old covenant was abolished. That's why Paul made the statement that it was abolished. The writer of Hebrews said that the old covenant became obsolete and that it was replaced with something new and better. 
we find out that the old covenant with the animal sacrifices and that sort of thing was never really the will of God to begin with. But Jesus came to do the will of God. He had been provided a body in which to do it and became the perfect sacrifice. And one thing, again, to point out that we pointed out a couple programs ago, when Jesus rose from the dead and he met with the disciples afterward where they were still trying to comprehend that he was really alive, he said, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. He said it would be necessary for these things to happen where the Christ, the Son of Man, would have to die and and suffer. Fortunately for us, Jesus rose again. And by the way, Joel, speaking of Jesus being a a teacher, a prophet under the Old Covenant, we know that the New Covenant was ratified after his death, around the time either he was dying or was rising again. But before that, the New Covenant, even though we call it the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the New Covenant hadn't been ratified yet. It hadn't come into existence yet until the death of Jesus Christ and the shed blood for our justification. Yeah, Hebrews 9 talks about all this. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Uh, So in other words, if there's going to be a brand new testament that goes into effect, the testator has to die. And that, of course, in this case was Jesus. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. And so Jesus had to die in order for the new covenant to be put in place. And then once he did, if we read a little bit earlier on in Hebrews, right at the end of Hebrews 8, the writer of Hebrews quotes from Jeremiah, again, looking back at what the scripture said about what must happen. He quotes from Jeremiah, talking about the Lord saying that there will be a new covenant. And the writer goes on to say, in that, he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And I believe that that means that back then, uh, the Jerusalem hadn't been destroyed yet. The Jews hadn't been dispersed and scattered. And so even though the new covenant was, or the old covenant was no longer in effect, the Jews who hadn't believed in Jesus Christ were still operating under that covenant, and so it was growing old and ready to vanish away. And then when Jerusalem was destroyed, I believe it did vanish away. That's just my own personal thought on that. But just one more point here about Jesus speaking to people under the law. The rich young ruler. I love this story because so much can be seen in this when we look at it from the perspective of what we do know now about the new covenant Behold, this is in uh, Matthew 19. Now behold, now behold, one came to him and said, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now Christians will look at this without the context of everything we've been talking about and say, Hmm, we've got to keep the commandments. See, Jesus told this man to keep the commandments And so the man said to Jesus, which ones? Jesus quoted about five of the different commandments, and the man said, you know what? I've kept all these from my youth. Is there something I still lack? Ah, (laughs) wrong. Exactly. Anytime you say, look, God, look at all that I've done. Surely I don't lack anything. God's going to say, well, here's one more thing. And in this case, Jesus said, if you want to be perfect— Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And here's the thing. A person under the law had asked Jesus a question about 
the law? What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And then he brings up all the different commandments. And so it was a law teaching, and then here's what happened. The end of the story here, at least at this part of the story, who knows what really ended up happening to this man, but when the man heard Jesus saying that he had to sell all he had and give to the poor, he went away sorrowful. He went away sad, for he had great possessions. And so that's the thing, you know, if you are going to live by trying to live up to the standards of God, God's going to say, all right, here you go. Here's my list. And eventually we're going to realize we can't do it. We're going to go away sad. Yeah, the law will always demand something else. You know, as Paul wrote in, I believe it was Galatians, if, if there was a law that could have been given that would make us righteous, then, then one would have been given. But there really wasn't one. And so even if you think you're fulfilling the law, that you, you could not achieve or attain to righteousness underneath that. And what makes this new covenant so great versus the old covenant where God established that with the Israelites is that the new covenant was established between the Father and the Son. And we are allowed in Christ to be partakers of that. So that's what makes us so free to just enjoy the life of Christ in us, in this, this freedom of the new covenant. Well, amen to that. And it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So let's indeed live in it and enjoy it. Well, coming up next week, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> we don't have it figured out yet. So we'll just get to it when we get to it. But we're sure it'll be some good news. So stay close for some more good news next week right here on Growing in Grace at growingandgrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.